The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Of course, I'm Craig Carton, and for the next 30 minutes, a frank, open, and honest conversation about gambling addiction. We espouse no particular beliefs on gambling addiction or the fact that many of you can gamble responsibly, recreationally, nor do we espouse a specific belief about the best cure for the problem. The idea of this show is to just be honest, to be open and talk about what can happen when someone you know or love is a gambling addict. And I'm very uh, happy to be able to have a man named Bob joining us today. Bob is not a compulsive gambler. However, Bob has a son who is. And I thought it was important for our audience to hear the perspective of a father trying to figure out how to save his son and all the emotional roller coasters that a family goes through when they try to come to terms with the fact that they have a loved one who happens to be a compulsive gambler. Bob, good morning, and thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, and, and thank you for having me uh, on the show. Is, I, I have to tell you, this is not an easy conversation. Uh, it's brought up a lot of emotion just thinking about talking about this, but I think it's really important that parents understand some of the signs they should look for and hear my story. Uh, and maybe even the compulsive gambler, once they know how they affect the family, maybe that would affect them also. Sure. Well, we, we really very much appreciate you coming on. I, I respect that it's a very tough conversation because you were talking about your son who you love dearly. How long ago did you or your family start thinking that there was something, maybe not gambling, but that there was something going on, and how did it manifest itself with your son and your relationship? Well, you know, it, it seemed like something that you really don't think of, but we noticed a lot of scratch-offs in his car, and uh, that should have been a sign to us. But again, you know, they're so common and so easy to get and use. Uh, we didn't think much of it, but because there were so many of them, that should have been a signal to us. But, you know, like most parents, we were in denial. Did you ever ask him, hey, what's going on with the scratch-offs? Not really. Uh, you know, we really didn't uh, think too much of it at the time. Again, uh, we were really in denial. You know, how could our son be a, a gambler? Sure, sure. Especially uh, he's underage, yes or no? Well, at, at the time, I'm talking probably about 10 years ago, he probably was about 17, 16 or 17 at the time. Got it. So when did you and your family first come, find out that he had a problem with gambling or that gambling was an issue in his life beyond finding scratch-off? Was there a moment, a tangible moment, when he either came to you or you guys discovered our son has a problem? Big time. Uh I remember lying in bed. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. We got a phone call. He was down uh, in Maryland going to school, and uh, he was in a panic, saying he thinks he's going to kill himself. Uh, he ran up a tremendous debt gambling. He doesn't know what to do. Uh, my wife and I, we were in the car by 3 o'clock in the morning and down there um, by 8 and uh, we uh, got to him and went out to breakfast and started the conversation uh, to find out that he really had this problem. And when you had that, that breakfast, 
did he say, was there a specific type of gambling he was doing, or was it any kind of gambling? It was sports gambling with a bookie. And I assume at that point in his life, he healed the bookie money, I imagine, yeah? Yeah, a great deal of money, yes. Got it. So when you guys are driving down to Maryland and have really know nothing about what's going on other than your son called for help, I got to imagine that's the worst car drive you ever took. I didn't know if he was going to be alive. Uh, you know, he was so despondent. He he was so depressed. He was, he was so down. Uh, it was like a parent's worst nightmare. So you get there, you have breakfast, he now kind of comes clean. I'm going to guess he probably didn't tell you everything at that breakfast, uh, but did tell you that he owed people money, yeah? Yes. Uh, he, he didn't, and of course, he said... This is the end of it. I'll never do this again. Uh, and, you know, we've heard that too many times. Sure. So, Bob, when you first, uh, this first time that, you know, your son comes and talks to you and you guys address it, um, what, what were the steps that were taken after that? Because you you can't control him. He's not living in the home with you and your wife and your family. What were, what were the next few months like in regards to his gambling and your being aware of it? Well, to tell you the truth, my wife and I thought we uh, fixed the problem. You know, what we had to do was just pay off, you know, the debts. And he learned his lesson, and uh, we can move on. So let me ask you this. It's going to be a tough question. Did you guys get in contact directly with the people he owed money to, or did you ask him how much and basically just help him out, and he paid them off? He paid them off. Got it. And you, to your knowledge, he gambled again after that, I assume, yeah? Oh, many times. Many times. Uh, this conversation uh, actually became uh, part of our communication. Uh, every few months, uh, he would give us a call and say, uh, I'm doing it again. Uh, I'm upset. Actually, I think there may have been a year break where he didn't gamble. I'm not sure. Because you never know. Parents never know. Uh, no one knows. It's a real cover-up. Did there come a point when you guys said to him, we're not bailing you out anymore? Almost like a tough love type of reaction? Well, here, here's the really tough part. Uh, a little over two months ago, my wife passed away. Uh, all the kids, we were all around her when she passed away. That night, he put his hand through a door and gambled indiscriminately and lost thousands of dollars wow. on that night when his mother passed away. And that's and that wasn't long ago. And thankfully, through Dan, uh, you know, we found a place, Algamas, to send him to. And he didn't want to go. He was. He said, this is the worst time for me to leave the house. My mother just passed away. He was almost in between jobs. He was interviewing for another job. He kept on saying, I can't do it now. It's impossible. Right. And I said, this is it. We're drawing the line in the sand. You have to do it. You have to do it. And my sons, or my other two sons were on board. A very close friend of his came over the house and talked to him about it. He was going to see a counselor at the time. And the counselor also told him this was the best thing to do. And up until the day that he left, he was fighting us on it but he went. I actually spoke to him the night before he left because I went to the same place. Uh, Rick Benson's the founder of Algamas, 
An alchemist changed my life. Uh, and I'm glad to know we got on that plane and went. Um, you know, it's the first time for me that I was willing to say out of my own mouth, I'm a compulsive gambler. I've got a problem. And I don't think if I went there, I would have been able to say it, at least in the time frame that I did say it. And I obviously lost everything. So I'm glad he got on that play now. Have you seen a difference in, in talking to him? Does he seem like he's at least fully honest about the problems that he has? You know, I, there's no way to really know. Uh, and that's the scary part of this gambling addiction. Uh, he says he's doing well, um, and I have to believe it. But there are other parts of his life because they were triggers, and stress seemed to be his trigger. And uh, he seems to be dealing with stress much better now, organizing his life a little bit better. Uh, the counseling that he went through at Alchemist, I think, not only helped his gambling, but his personal life also. Good. Good. Uh, I, I want to back up the, the time clock and go back to when you first found out that he had a problem and then he kind of you know, continued to gamble and continued to you know, disappoint his family. And that's one of the things that we have to try to come to terms with. The fact that we're not only hurting ourselves, we're hurting the people that love us the most. You know, his mom, his dad, I'm sure his brothers and the other friends in his life that watched him going down this terrible spiral. Can you describe to our audience how devastating that is to your family and to you as a dad, watching your son go through that stuff, knowing that he's lying to you and knowing that you can't help him? You used the right word. It was devastating. Uh, when you feel helpless and sometimes hopeless, uh, I think my wife and I were fighting depression ourselves. Uh, it was a terrible, it's been a terrible time. Uh, my wife is gone and, and it's still a terrible time for me because of the unknowns. I, I don't know. We are talking to Bob, whose son is a compulsive gambler. And uh, we'll continue on just after this on Hello, My Name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Really uh, thrilled to be joined by Bob, who's the father of a compulsive gambler and sharing a very emotional story about how he found out that his son had a problem and the emotional devastation it caused his family. My family went to Gammonon, and it was a very powerful uh, experience for them. Because they got to meet other folks like themselves, Bob, who uh, you know were devastated by the actions of a loved one, you know, and that's ultimately uh, you know what it is. Have you learned to trust your son again, or is that still a work in progress? It's a it's a work in progress, but I also have to tell him how proud I am of him for the steps that he has taken. He's still going to a private counselor. Uh, he speaks to people from Algamus weekly. Uh, and he seems to be really trying. So I, I want to give him some kudos for doing that also. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, as much as he's an adult and you don't have to pat an adult on the back, he's an addict and he's taking the steps. And, you know, we can all argue, you know, you should have taken the steps early. It took him too long. He took them and he's still alive and he's uh, making, uh, taking steps towards recovery and towards being you're a complete person again and being, you know, the son that his dad can trust. And I agree with you. He does deserve a pat on the back. He really does. Yeah. And, you know, it's I, I got to give a shout out to Dan because uh, he was very, very helpful in helping me to get 
my son the help that he needed, and uh, and he's still on board, so I can go to him and, and talk to him about things that are coming up. Sure. So I, I really appreciate Dan when, and what he's done. When you look back, and you look back now with total clarity, knowing that your son has a problem, were there signs that maybe you guys just missed because, you know, it's life, life's going on pretty fast for all of us? Were there changes in his behavior, changes in uh, how he, you know, interacted with, you know, your family when you look back on it now? I'm glad you brought that up because that's really important uh, to look at some of the signs, uh, being on the phone all the time, uh, leaving the room when we were in the middle of dinner, he had to leave the room. Uh, his personality was changing a little bit. He seemed to be very uh, short fused about things, uh, little highs and lows that we saw uh, weren't normal for him. And uh, so changes in behavior, changes in personality. Uh, looking back, we saw those things, but didn't put it all together. Got it. And how about your other sons? Uh, how have they been throughout this process? Well, first, they were very angry with him uh, for causing us so much, you know, an issue for the parents. Uh, But then they finally understood that it was a disease and they became very supportive and they were very helpful in helping him to make the decision to go to Algamas. Got it. Well, before we let you go, I think it's important to allow you to say anything else that you want to say to families out there that might have a loved one that they think might have a problem or you're noticing a change in behavior that makes them wonder, you know, how to approach a, a child, especially now with, you know, the proliferation of online gambling. You don't, have to, you don't have to leave the house to gamble. You can do it right on your phone, as you said. What would your message be to other moms and dads out there before we let you go today? Don't be afraid to ask questions and don't stop with just a, an obtuse answer. Try to get as specific as possible. Keep asking questions. Keep the lines of communication open. It's really important. And, Bob, I want to say this to you. Um, I want to tell you that I'm sorry because you represent to me my dad you know, and my family. And hearing you talk, you know, I know I put them through hell. I know I did. And, you know, of course, my stuff played out so publicly in the newspapers. And I wound up in a courtroom and going to prison. But uh, I want to say, on behalf of your son, I'm sorry. Because when we're knee-deep in it, when I was, I had no regard for how my dad felt, how my mom felt, how my family felt. I was uh, egotistical, selfish, and it was all about me. And I imagine your son was probably the same way. And the behavior of leaving the room, you know, the phone was attached to your hand, all those things, I did all that. And, you know, I'm sorry. And uh, I'm sure your son at some point, I know he has already, will express that to you time and time again. Uh, I recognize what I put my dad through and my family through by hearing your story. And I just want to let you know that I'm sorry. Thank thank you for that. Uh, I I know he is also. He's really a good guy. And uh, he's a real family person and loved his mother very much. And and the loss was very traumatic. So uh, I know he's sorry. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I think your message is a very important one to be told, and I can't thank you enough for uh, being willing to uh, to share it with us. Sorry for the loss of your wife as well. And by all means, please stay in touch. We appreciate your time today. 
Thank you for the opportunity to bring this to the attention of people. It's a very important message you're giving to people. Uh, I, it will make a difference. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it very, very much. I think, to be completely honest, you also have to recognize there are some relationships you never get back to. You know, there's some 100%. relationships that are forever changed and will never be the same again with family members and friends. I, I mean, I'm, I'm living it. They, no matter how many times you say you're sorry, no matter how many times you think you've made right, there are some relationships that sadly are never, ever fully repaired or, you know, repaired at all. And, you know, that's a fact, unfortunately, I'm living with in my life currently. And it's very, very... Uh, Sad. It's very uh, hurtful. It's very frustrating. But it's all because of what we did. And one of the things that I'm to be completely transparent as I try to be on this show, I have lost relationships, really, really good ones, that I just thought, oh, once I'm back and once I'm living my life the right way and I'm being honest and take ownership of what I did, well, the relationship will just kind of rebound. And sadly, that's not the case. And I'm, I'm having a very tough time coming to terms with that in with a number of relationships in my life where I just assumed and thought, oh, that person will be there. We'll figure it out. And I'm living proof, sadly, that that is not the case. It's not. The good news is that both Fox Sports and WFAN are allowing me to continue this show. So while I'm not going to be doing afternoons anymore on WFAN, every Saturday at this time, uh, hello, my name is Craig. We'll continue. And I just want to thank, obviously, WFN for allowing that, Fox Sports for allowing me to continue here, recognizing how important uh, you know this message is every single week, giving people a platform to share their stories and with any hope at all, uh, saving people's lives and getting people going in the right direction, specifically in regards to gambling addiction. But in reality, you know, any kind of problem that life throws your way, whether it's drugs, alcohol, gambling, or anything else, I hope that you guys hear this show and recognize as bad as it may seem in the moment, it's never that bad. And a simple phone call may be enough to save your life and get you going in the right direction. So I appreciate them allowing me to continue the show. We've done, what, 100 and I think like 50 of these now in that area. And we will continue on as long as they will allow me to do it uh, every Saturday right here on WFAN.